Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Baka Baka Baka. This one truly is special because it's our beginning of our year-end tradition where we start by watching a movie and then talking about it, an anime movie, and then watching two classic anime or anime that we haven't seen before that isn't really current and talking about that. And then we go back into our regular cycle. So we'll be doing that. So normally we are a podcast that watches a new anime, talks about it after watching for two weeks and turns the discussion over to you. We're doing that with a recent anime movie and movie does have to be in finger quotes here. Thank you, Jason, for pointing that out. Uh, and we'll explain why in a little bit. But first, let me introduce my co-host. First off, we have the cantina theme to my finger and Dan and the modal nodes, Jeremy. Don't copyright us. Big Grin Dan and the Modal Nodes. Huh. Nicely Cantina Band. Yeah, the band. I think, oh, is that, oh, okay, wow. It's like, that's a terrible name, but okay. Um, Yep, wait, (laughs) and at least I didn't say what kind of music they were playing. Well, really? (laughs) It's jizz. In Star Wars, play jizz. Not jazz. That's that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's amazing. So yeah, um, I'm a little bit under the weather now, so not at the not at my top game, but um, but I'm here and I will power through it. Um, we watched all the diehards except the last one oh. over Christmas. Yeah, screw the last one. Oh come on, <laughs> it's oh, so bad. Oh, he's absolutely right. <laughs> it's so bad. You can even skip four. I did like four, but it can be ejected too. Yeah, personally or, or great. Four felt like a fast and furious like it was pushing into that territory because <laughs> yeah. we actually watched the, the i think the latest fast and furious too where they went into space in the little car <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i was dying yes and and i was shocked because i didn't i never thought that die hard ever like crossed into the territory of ridiculousness that fast and furious holds but yeah it it totally does but Okay, so obviously I love the first Die Hard unabashedly. Second one is pretty good, but the third one, what I love most about the third one is if you watch the third one, you were like, wait, this isn't a Die Hard movie, and it wasn't. It was clearly a movie they wrote, and then we're like, no one's going to watch this. Okay, but what if we put John McClane in the movie as the main protagonist and just called it Die Hard, and they did that, and so it's nothing like any of the other diehards, no. but it's still amazing. <laughs> it's just a buddy cop show. Yeah. <laughs> It's its own thing that they just shove Die Hard in like a square peg into a round hole. Like, go, go, go. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Mm. All right. We also have the Jedi Rock to my Max Rebo band, Jason. Well, that one I don't know. But. Um, so Max Rebo band used to play the Jabba Palace party song. Oh, and then, the big blue the, guy. Yeah, and he's the Blue Elephant guy. And then in the special edition, they actually created a song for them to sing called The Jedi Rock. And it is the worst thing in Star Wars. I don't care what Jeremy says. It really is the worst thing in all of Star Wars. I hate The Jedi Rock. And then they removed the Ewok theme from the same movie. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's 
it's a tragedy. Anyway, that's you, Jason. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic now. Uh, happy New Year. We're recording uh, right afterwards. So um, that's why Jerry's sick. He is plastic. Yes. <laughs> party too hard, man. <laughs> um, yeah. La- uh, over the past couple weeks, I got a chance to watch uh, The Witcher, which is better than any MCU production. Any. <laughs> Is that a low no. bar, though? <laughs> oh. No, but uh, season two, um, I just couldn't stop watching. And when it was over, I it was one of those moments where you just start shaking in your chair, going, where is more? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fantastic. Not only a fantastic addition to the first season, but um, just feels just, just a great homage to the game. Um, I'm, I don't know how closely it goes to the books. All the acting was fantastic. And, you know, and Henry Cavill can grace my screen anytime he wants. <laughs> you sound <Yeah>. like me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Besides that, uh, Troy got me into team fight tactics and now I'm back playing League of Legends and I'm not happy. <laughs> gateway drug. I was like, just one yeah. hit, man. Just I'll one do. hit. And there's so many characters, I have no idea what they are. But, anyways. And my name is Troy. Um, I want to talk about a Christmas present I got. My wife got me a board game, and I opened it up, and it's a one-player board game. I'm like, oh, thanks, baby. I message received. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go play by yourself over there. Um, it's called Box One, and it's created, actually, by a game company by Neil Patrick Harris. And I can't tell you anything about it other than you start with just opening, uh, answering trivia questions. But if you like video games like Inscription, which is very popular right now, and other games from that, like Pony Island and the Hex, um, this is a board game up your alley because what you're doing is not actually what's going on. And it blew my mind, and I had a blast playing it, and I highly recommend it, but I just can't talk about it because it would ruin the experience. Uh, also, I saw Encanto and I liked it. I saw the new Matrix and I liked it. And I will not be answering questions about either one. So let's move. I on. saw the new Matrix as well, and We're I hated talk- it. We are not it talking about so it. Oh, hold on. Okay, one thing, uh, Jeremy, you don't get an opinion on the new Matrix movie. <laughs> Thank you that you watched it. <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, did, I do. Why didn't Jeremy get an opinion? Because he doesn't like the one. Matrix as a whole. <laughs> Well, I don't have a problem with the Matrix as a whole, but I definitely I have a problem I, with the Matrix. It don't sucks. Wanna, I don't want to talk about what you thought about the Matrix one. Not at all. Okay, Not I haven't seen it yet, so once I see it, I will engage you about it, Troy. That's going to be Jeremy fun. can take his opinion I, and just throw it. I probably won't. <laughs> Look, my opinion on the Matrix is I don't care what your opinion on the Matrix is. <laughs> as a survivor of the Last Jedi battles... <laughs> I I have no desire to talk about Matrix Four with anybody. I just want to enjoy it in my own little corner, and, and I don't care what anyone thinks. Speaking of Star Wars, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're here to talk about Star Wars Vision. So I, like I said, this is the movie episode of our podcast. Uh, but I've been wanting to get Star Wars Visions on the podcast, not only because I am a bigger Star Wars fan than I am an anime fan. This is an anime version of Star Wars. It is something I've wanted for a long time. 
this is where I figured I could get it in. And also the movie I had, I had picked turned out wasn't a movie because I was just wrong. <laughs> so Star Wars Vision is now here. It is an anthology. There are about 15 minute episodes. There's nine of them all together. It's about the runtime of a movie. Um, it's about the same amount of talking points. So we are here to talk about that. Let's do our non-spoiler review. Now, this is going to be kind of hard because it is an anthology. So I do guys want you to mention a little bit of how you feel about anthologies as a whole and then how you took this anthology as a whole. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty in the spoiler section about individual episodes. So, Jason, why don't you start us off? What did you think? Um, it's it, real mixed feelings because it's very difficult to judge this particular anthology as a whole. And the reason is because there's no connecting threads besides the theme of Star Wars and that it's done in anime, um, mostly. Hey, there's some CGI that's anime style, and then and you can arguably, we, we've argued about what is anime. Um, it's There were a few that I loved. There were a couple that I could have done without, and the majority of them just kind of fell right in the middle of the road. Um, I think one of the most fun things about this particular watch was they present the studio beef uh, at the title screen because it's like they're like studio trigger presents the twins and uh it was exciting to have that first moment of yep that's who that is or <laughs> like i didn't even have to see studio trigger to go oh that's a trigger uh, <laughs> yeah um but you know it was worth a watch i'll say that as a whole um it was fun and neat it but i just kind of felt disconnected from it as a medium just because it's not canon it's just a bit of fun and a lot of them were just kind of the middle of the road as far as enjoyment so do you find yourself happening that with anthologies for the most part so we mentioned mushishi as an anthology that we've done and i would say no and i it's hard to compare the two as apples to apples because one you have consistent characters right. going there's throughout. A, there's a thread episode. connecting all those separate stories. And, and and it's the same. It's not just the same world, but it's also the same like themes as far as we, we have a, a extraterrestrial monster attacking people. Uh, doctor comes and figures it out. We have a solution. People die. Some people don't, but everyone's happy. This was very much, it's the own story, like just encapsulated story with each one. Ooh, so maybe, maybe if you compared it to the Matrix anthologies, because there was that they had some anime, they had some CG, yeah, right? But they all they all connected in fairly tightly, though. They were different characters, though, in different places, different times. I mean, I remember one where it was the robots before anything happened. Sure, but I don't see that being a direct correlation between. Uh, like say the duel and mm. the twins. I don't see those two stories existing in the same universe. Yeah, you're right. The scale is is definitely greater in this. Um, yeah, it's similar, but yeah, the scale is greater. So, um, yeah, it, that's a difficult question to answer. But like I said, I think it's worth watching if you're a a Star Wars fan or an anime fan. All right. Jeremy, what'd you think? 
so for me, it was half and half, and primarily just because, you know, even if I may complain about some of the more recent things that have happened with Star Wars, I am genuinely a Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. Always have. And so when I when I would watch these, I know that they're not canon and I know that they're not necessarily going to be uh, an accurate representation of the the lore or the rules or anything like that. You know, I know that coming into it, but I still can't shake that little bit of, uh, for me, a disconnect of, well, this isn't really Star Wars like this is fan fiction. I know it says it's fan fiction. But to me, that just kind of takes something away from it when I see the fan. Why can't you like, just okay, enjoy goes, things? <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I can't do it. If this is fan fiction, it goes in a fan fiction category for me. And the fan fiction category is never going to be as good because I know it's not canon. And just it's the way my brain works. If it's not canon, it's not part of this world. Then I kind of wonder, like, why I'm bothering with it, <laughs> because there's a myriad of fan fiction out there. If I want fan fiction, I could read fan fiction or watch fan fiction for hours and hours and hours and hours. The only difference is that this fan fiction was made by studios with good money and with the blessing of Disney Star Wars, right? Um, but with that said, they did a fantastic job. Everything is done very, very good quality. Um, and even the ones that I was kind of bugged by, if I look at them in the frame or the context that they are in-universe creations and so kind of taken into the meta level, then I'm totally fine with it. And I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. So like um, this is yeah. the anime that, that Luke Skywalker grew up on Tatooine watching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. I love that. that is, I love that. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Uh, okay. So for me, when this was announced, I had to go and find my hidden dream journal and make sure it hadn't been broken into. <laughs> <laughs> That that is clearly a joke, but it there is a truth in like wow, this was really made specifically for me. I I fit that exact what they're looking for, uh, but I also have found like my seven year old son when he watches these, he gets really pumped up for Star Wars more than he's ever done before. Like he likes Star Wars, he, he's a big fan of, of Ray and Kylo, and he likes Luke and he likes Han. But this made him want to be a Jedi more than and that fact after he had watched this for Halloween, he decided to be a Jedi. And I think that's what star Wars was looking for. Like, how can we reach out to a different generation, the next generation and find ways to create some interest in star Wars. And I think this does this, but I also really enjoyed the assignment that was given is like, Hey, each of you studios, please make us a story. That is what star Wars means to you. And as someone who enjoys Star Wars, reading nine theory papers or whatever, however you want to phrase these as, of what Star Wars is to them, why they care about Star Wars, what they found in Star Wars that that connects to them was really interesting because there's it wasn't almost none of it was what I I connected. I connected like the Western stuff and the World War Two stuff, the fighter pilots and the smugglers and pirates. That's where my love of Star Wars really clicks in. Uh, but they went with the the spiritual, the Jedi, and that was cool to see and to, to see it from another point of view. And as long as they, to they told us at the beginning, hey, this isn't going to be lore, this isn't canon, I was able to disconnect that. I probably would enjoy it more if there was like some lore canon stuff in here. Um, 
you know, when, when I watch Mandalorian or the new Boba Fett show, I'm like, oh, I know what that is. Oh, that connects. Ooh. You know, that's that's me. But yeah. all right. Um, you know, I'm going to talk about OPs and outros here. But they don't talk about. Oh, I should. And Jeremy, I want to hear kind of your thoughts, too. Um, I really like. um Anthologies. Uh, I watch a lot of horror anthologies, but what I like about anthologies is that you don't have to worry about character arcs or even endings. You can just kind of have purest form of imagination because you don't have to, you don't have to land it. You don't have to explain it. You can just bleh, let the imagination flop onto the vapor. Yeah. I love anthologies. Um, I used to collect the short story novels from like Larry Niven and Isaac Asimov and others. Mm-hmm where they had organized the short stories of all these other authors in the same genre. And I absolutely love that for the same reason that you described. It's like these little bite-sized morsels. Each one takes place in some kind of disconnected world with its own rules. Um, very rarely are they like, I remember that there was, there was like the man Kazin Wars anthologies, which, you know, that all took place within this one particular uh, storyline in this universe. But Usually they're very disconnected. So yeah, I definitely like anthologies. Um, I also really like the Matrix anthology. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Matrix is cool. <laughs> Actually, yes. you, when you mentioned uh, horror anthology, uh, Creep TV. Have you watched those, Troy? Mm, I've some, yeah. Oh man, I I followed them for a long time. <laughs> I, I I can if if I'm gonna take that experience to <clears throat> something like this, I can see where you're coming from. Where you, you got SCP too. SCP, yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's anthologies. So yeah, I absolutely love it. Um more anthologies the better for me. Alright, so before we go on to our spoiler section, just so everyone knows, our next anime, uh, this is Jeremy's pick. We're actually going to be watching the first thirteen episodes of Neon, Neon Genesis. Neon Genesis Evangelion. I always say Neo. Neon yeah, Genesis Evangelion, the first 13 episodes. That uh, obviously is a big thing to take on for us, for yep. three Bacchus. Uh, <laughs> but uh, also, that doesn't ever, that doesn't get into the really crazy parts. It's more of a typical robot anime at that point, but it's still really cool. So I'm excited to do that. Um, I had been doing a, a rewatch of the movie, or starting to watch the remake movies with my, my daughter. So I'm in that mode anyway. This will be a good one for us to do. Yeah, and and please make sure that if you do watch it, it this is the old one. This is not the new 1.0, 3.0, 2.0. And probably mature content warning, just just to be fair. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Actually, right. no, it's PG-13, so we're good there. Doesn't stay that way once you hit the movies. Oh, okay. I would love to pick your guys' brains about End of Evangelion, but, but anyway. All right, let's <laughs> let's go on to our spoiler section. So now we're not we're going to be talking about uh, each specific. Again, these are anthologies, so we're just kind of going to break down each one. There probably won't be a lot of talk about characters like there usually is because there's no character arcs. They're just kind of there. Um, but we'll review the story real quick. Jer- Jeremy and Jason will interject in any important things that they noticed along the way, and then we'll just kind of wrap up about how we felt about each episode and then go on to the next. So we are starting with what starts on Disney+, Plus, which is The Duel. Um the duel is made by Kamikaze Doga. Um, do we want to do pre-thoughts or just wait till after the story's told? Maybe if 
uh, maybe if you appreciated something about it, I, I guess maybe we should talk about it first and then. Okay. Because, because this was, this was by far my favorite episode. Uh, right. I loved everything about this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this one is a, it's actually presented in mostly black and white and, you know, Star Wars was heavily influenced by, um, Kurosawa. Oh, no. Spaghetti Westerns? Don't, don't play. No, Akira Kurosawa's samurai films. And, and they applied that film grain to the animation, that old black and white, um, which really brings it like fully around. Like it was old wandering samurai stories that George Lucas loved that kind of phased into Star Wars. And now here's a Star Wars about a wandering samurai, um, done in that, in that style. The villas looks like that style. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's very, very unique look in this, in this story. And we see a, uh, a stranger, a Ronin, a wanderer with his little R2 unit with a straw hat. And they come across this village and they stop just outside the village at like a little tea shop. And then some bandits roll up in a vehicle and start attacking this village. And they're wearing like old stormtrooper armor that's like broken up like they clearly found old stormtrooper armor and using it um and they they start taking this village hostage and they ask for the leader and this little boy stands up and he's the son of the chief and but he has hired mercenaries to defend the town so all these mercenaries come out and you got uh, droids with gatling guns but they're e-webs but they're tied with rope um you have a dog so much like seven samurai when the mercenaries showed up yeah yeah i love that the Doug in the little pod with the samurai swords flying yes. around, slashing at people, a sniper, <laughs> uh, and they start beating the bandits. But then the leader of the bandits emerges, and it's a it's a woman in a cloak, and she pulls out an umbrella full of red lightsaber, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is one of the craziest things that you'll, you'll see in this whole anthology. Um, and they're like, oh, no, it's a Sith. And so she just starts slaughtering them all. And... The the wanderer, his droid gets hit, and he he has the tea shop. He's like, you gotta repair him. You have until his tea starts boiling, and he goes down there, and he attacks, or the Sith woman attacks him, and he stops her blade with the Force, just holds it in place. And she's like, oh, you're a Jedi. I haven't fought a Jedi in a long time. And he pulls out his lightsaber, which, fun fact about his lightsaber, it's broken and can't turn off, so he's built a scabbard. <laughs> So he has a reason to draw it like a samurai. And uh, it's red. Has, yeah, and he has a red blade. And she and he starts fighting her, and he fights dirty. And he's like, no, I ain't no Jedi. <laughs> and they have this this really cool duel going on. Meanwhile, the, the bandits have retaken the town back from the mercenaries. T-Shop guy's trying to repair the droid. T-Shop guy, yep. And eventually, you can hear the tea whistle, the, the pot whistling from all across the place. And and the the stranger's out on a log fighting the the Sith woman, and he sneaks sneakily presses a button and it turns on the droid. He's now fixed and he goes flying to the village and shoots missiles and hits every bandit, uh, <laughs> killing them all. The Sith woman blocks the missile for her and and the the stranger like points out the button like ah I had a trick. <laughs> uh, he gets knocked off a waterfall from the river they're fighting in and there's a temple underneath so he goes over there. And the Sith woman pursues him and she sees his his sword. So she splits the waterfall apart with the log they were on and she jumps in and attacks. But it was just a statue holding his lightsaber blade. And it, also his scabbard can make a lightsaber blade out the other way. And he stabs her in the back um, and kills her. And then he goes up to the village and they're like, oh, thank you, Jedi. And he 
He gives the umbrella weapon to the shopkeep as a payment for all his help. And then he sh- he reveals that he has a red lightsaber blade. And they're like, oh, that is not a Jedi. <laughs> but he gives the red kyber crystal. And you see that he's got like half a dozen inside of his jacket. Like he goes around murdering other Sith for <laughs> kyber crystals. And he gives this one to the village boy and says, you know, this will protect your you from evil. And then he and the droid wander off. And that is the end of the story. So your guys' thoughts on this one. Yeah, the, everything about this, the uh, black and white, and then the only things that had color were the lightsabers. Um, loved it. The duel was fantastically choreographed. Um, I did like that it wasn't just the Ronin came down and slaughtered all the mercenaries and saved the town, right? It, it The uh, the mercenaries were the ones that took on the bandits. Um, and and then it was, you know, a duel. And that's, what the, that's why it's, you know, labeled the duel. Um, but when Name. he when he said, hey, you have till this teapot boils to have him fixed, I was clueless. Like, I, I don't know why I missed it. But when it went off and uh, everyone could hear it, I was like, oh, he's going to use his droid. He was waiting for the, the sound <laughs> as like a call. I was like, that's so cool. And, you know, it's so everything about it feels so feudalistic, like old Japanese feudalistic. But they've got technology. So it was kind of this weird dichotomy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, yeah, this was by far uh, starting off the anthology on a really high note. And I really liked this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Very, very high note. This is one of my favorites. Um, there's just something so dramatic and engaging in the way it's presented and the fast paced action and how the shots don't linger unnecessarily. We learn enough about the village just by observing the people in it and the mercenaries and the bandits. Um, you know, you get a sense that the boy steps up to be the role of the the leader because nobody else is doing it. Everybody else is No, scared. his father is sick. Yeah, but because his father's sick, you know, that's not no told other adult. We just get a there. shot of it, right? Which is cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and no other adult there decided, hey, the village chief is sick. Maybe we should step up instead of this little <laughs> tiny kid. Right. You know, instead the kid does. So like there's just little things in the in it that are very much like that. Like I, I this is one of the ones I watched the first four like um, a couple months ago and I didn't get a chance to watch them again um, because of being busy watching uh, Die Hard and. <laughs> matrix but um but i still remember this one pretty clearly and i can't say that for for some of the others the other three (laughs) so this one's very very high in my books absolutely love this one yeah this is a really good strong one to start off with um i don't really have much to add except for i i love that he fights dirty i love that they're she's expecting like oh here comes a jedi with the jedi fighting way and he pulls out the red lightsaber and he's like oh no no this isn't going the way you think it's going <laughs> um, and, and he constantly fights dirty he's he's using a second backup he's got the droid with missiles ready to go uh he's hiding he's you know he's doing whatever it takes to to win and and i love that about it um also love there's so many little Easter eggs that connect to Star Wars, the E-Web blaster, but it's tied with rope. Um, that kind of stuff is just gets me. Um, yeah, just a beautiful visual style. And again, like I said at the beginning, the fact that it kind of ties back to Star Wars Origins and, and loops that all together is is a meta level that I, I enjoyed about this one. And really the ones that tie into Samurai um, and, and Samurai and Jedi being similar 
that works well in these stories. That clearly is their wheelhouse and what they're comfortable with. So that does work well. All right. Our next one. I'm going to guess at a time that this is not everyone's favorite. Uh-oh. It is Tatooine Rhapsody <laughs> by Studio Colorido. Uh, this is a story of a, uh, a Padawan who's escaping Order 66. And when he does, he comes across this young hut who is, wants to start a rock band and he mistakes this <laughs> Padawan Jedi for a singer. He thinks the lightsaber is a microphone. He's like, and, and takes him in and they, they form a band called the Star Wavers. And we see them later, years later, they're playing a gig and, Boba Fett shows up. One of the only times like a canon character shows up in any of this, Boba Fett arrives and he's and he like, looks hey. like a chibi Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, he's a chibi Boba. It's a very chibi style art, right? Like, everyone's very good. It kind of reminds me of Maiden Jason's Abyss, dying. but not as clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you got something there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so chibi Boba Fett uh, attacks them and he wants to arrest the hut, whose name is Guy. Uh, he is uh, Jabba the Hutt's nephew who has left the family business to pursue his career as a rock star. <laughs> yep. Amazing. These are words coming out of my mouth in Star Wars. Uh, That's <laughs> and so they fight off Boba Fett and his bounty hunters, and they get away in their ship, and then uh, Boba Fett chases them in the Slave 1 and shoots them down. They crash. He captures the Jay tries to step up with his lightsaber to save him. The lightsaber doesn't even activate. Uh, he's not able to save him. And Actually, I do love my favorite part of this episode is right here where he goes, "You sure you want to do this, kid?" Like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. "Well, actually." <laughs> and in English dub, it's Tamura Morrison who is now Boba Fett for all intents and purposes is doing the voice of. Oh, Boba that's Fett. cool. So they did get the right voice in in the English dub. It um, the, the kid is also um, the guy. And I, I, I had a few drinks after. Channing Tatum. No, um, <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. Oh, that's he, cool. Who? Probably not his best singing. Anyway, <laughs> the song's better in Japanese than the dub. If you watch one in in Japanese, this is the one to watch in Japanese. Uh, the English dub song is not. Believe it. It's not great. Yeah, no, I watched all all of these episodes in English. So, yeah. I've I've seen them in both, but they I pre- I prefer the English dub just being me. Anyway, the band decides they, they decide to rally together and save Gee. So they go to Tatooine and they make a deal with Jabba that before he's executed, Gee can play one more song with his band, and so they perform at at the Pod Racing Arena. Um, if they they play their song and like I said, it's a better song in Japanese than it is in English. <laughs> uh, but they rock out and it's broadcast all over Tatooine. They, there's even like a cameo shot of Obi Wan Kenobi's hut hearing the song. <laughs> yes. Uh, and and then at the end of the song, uh, Jay says, "Jabba, I'm gonna give you one chance. We need a band uh, sponsor." <laughs> When and, he says that, we're going to give you one chance. I was like, okay, so call back to Luke. <laughs> yep. Uh, give us, be our sponsor. And the crowd starts calling for an encore. So Jabba spares their lives and 
they get to be a band. They they continue performing. That's the end of the story. Oh, one important thing is Jay turned his lightsaber actually into a microphone, completely abandoning the Jedi life, which is a bit of a weird message. But okay, what do you guys think of this one? <laughs> uh, most of it I couldn't stand. Uh, <laughs> I I'm not a big fan of the story of you know love saved the day or music brought everyone together. Uh, I. You know, they're nice, but that's just not my style. Um, Unless it's Vivi. <laughs> then we're all on board. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was okay. Um, the animation, I just was kind of repelled by. Just my personal taste. Um, and yeah, so, but that I don't have too much more to say about it. Uh, so I didn't mind the animation so much, uh, but it, to me, it's very much like a sports anime, right? I can see that there's some people that are going to love it and I'm just not one of them. Um, but I, I don't have anything necessarily that I can, can point at that I didn't like as far as, you know, the, the production or anything like that. The one story gripe that I have is just that like, hut, hut. <laughs> Was he a guitarist? Is that what he was? Yeah, he was either the bass or the guitarist. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. With a, flame, with a flamethrower built in. Yeah, like, it just, I, I don't know. It felt so, like, the ridiculous level was so high. It was just tuned up so high. And, um, I don't know, it felt so silly. Like, the silliness was just overwhelming. Maybe um, that's what it was that really got to me was the silliness, yeah. Yeah, it was like the even though there's moments where they they have a, a bit of um a bit of of weight to it where they're like you know, are we going to go save our friend? This could mean that we're in big trouble, you know, we could all die, but are we going to go save him? But even that, I was like, "Come on. <laughs> look at you guys. <laughs> you look silly. <laughs> you act silly. <laughs> like I can't take this seriously. Why is there three um, guys and one guy?" <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. This is definitely a, a low point for me, but, um, but I can see that people would probably like, there are people that would probably like this one. Same people my, that like Jojo, probably. <laughs> my my seven-year-old son jams out to this one. Just because of the song. I think he likes the song. Um, the, probably my, either my least favorite or second to least favorite of the ones, but nothing's really wrong with it. I do love seeing a punk rock band in the Star Wars universe because we have the, the jizz band and we have the Max Rebo band. Um, yeah. And this song is definitely not worse than Jedi Rock because Jedi Rock is the worst thing in all of Star Wars. <laughs> so you got to give worse... me a demonstration. Like, I don't even remember Jedi Rock. Maybe uh, after the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you a YouTube of, of Jedi Rock. Okay. And just the fact they replaced them. It's a gripe. It's a gripe I have. Anyway. <laughs> One thing I got to call out, though, is I love that we got the spaceship version of a crappy van that a band drives around to gigs. Yes. <laughs> that tickles me in so many ways. That's my yeah. highlight of this episode. Every time I watch it, it's like, there's that crappy van that every band has to use to get from gig to gig, but in spaceship form. And and Boba Fett shoots it out of the sky. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're a crappy van, man. Uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. All right, our next one. This uh, this one's gonna be fun. 
the twins created by none other than studio trigger who went as <laughs> studio trigger as they could possibly go in star wars which is funny because there's another studio trigger in this one that i would not know is studio trigger yeah. But like Jason said, you know this one's Studio Trigger like five seconds into it. Yep. <laughs> All right. So we start with a very classic Star Wars shot of the light uh, revealing a Star Destroyer, right? It's in shadow and then the light comes across it. Very classic Star Wars cinematography. Except for it's conjoined to another Star Destroyer with like a <laughs> circular weapon in between them, uh, yeah. which very much fits the theme. We see a guy in a very... Sith Darth Vadery costume walking. Yeah, almost like a ship. Kylo Ren look. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple of those throughout here that that's very that's used for to invoke a certain feeling. Uh, but yeah, he and he comes up to this giant what the power source, which it, is it turns out to be a giant kyber crystal. Uh, but then we meet his sister Am, twin so sister, that was twin sister Am, um, and. They are getting ready to fire a new super weapon. These two Star Destroyers and the Kyber Crystal create a super weapon that rivals the Death Star. And also the Crystal can power their super suits that they have. But they're uh, both twins born of the dark side. I'm tw- unsure what that means, really, because they don't explain it. Well, genetic I force mean, manipulation. I don't know. Right, we we know there's a character who in real Star Wars who's born of the Force. Um, well, that's the, true. So there could be a dark side version of that. So they're like negative Anakin. But <laughs> but also it, it's made clear that the characters themselves don't really know what it means. They're like we don't even really know what our real purpose is. Probably a lie then. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway, they get ready to fire the super weapon. It doesn't fire. Hey, the Kyber crystal's missing. Hey, your twin brother is missing. <laughs> Uh, then we get a, a scene of, of uh, Carr. He, he's walking with his droid. He's like, don't worry. No one's going to notice. Immediately surrounded by stormtroopers. <laughs> Uses the force to take them out. Gets the ship hangar and his sister confronts him. And he, he removes his Sith clothing, his super suit. And he wants to get rid of this Kyber crystal. It's bad news. He, and she's like, you want to give it to the Republic? He's like, no, I don't care about Republic. I don't care about Empire. I don't care. I just want it gone. His droid steals an X-Wing. They fly away, but she pulls the crystal and him back, rips him out of an X-Wing, pulls him back, and then they fight with force pull for the crystal, end up breaking it into two pieces. He shows her a vision that he's been having of her being overwhelmed by the power of the crystal and being hurt by it and dying. She's like, what, you think I'm scared to die? You think I'm a coward? (laughs) Dark side forever for life. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she shoves her part of the, the bigger part of the crystal in her her suit it gets like arms grow off of her suit that create lightsaber whips and also i should mention we're on the outside of a star destroyer yes. in the middle of space right now yes <laughs> and she's whipping and like cutting up the ship and he's hiding and he's like how am i gonna fight back and he's like well what what if i take my crystal and he puts in his lightsaber which becomes a giant lightsaber that he's oh able to God. lock the whips. They have this huge studio trigger battle again in mid space on top of a star destroyer. Yes. Um, she's got lightsabers in her heels. <laughs> she has oh, high heel God. boots that shoot lightsabers. <laughs> he eventually gets thrown from his, <laughs> the, from the star destroyer into space, but his R2 unit catches him with the X wing 
and she starts to become overwhelmed by the power, just like he saw in his vision. And he's like, oh, we need a crazy plan to save her. And the R2 unit is like, I have a crazy plan. And this crazy plan, I'm going to write, I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> upside down, super lightsaber, hyperspace slash. <laughs> yes. That pretty much describes it. And it's the most, again, the most studio trigger thing ever, which, fair enough. I say that a lot, but it also keeps being true. Yep. And not only does it slice the Star Destroyer they're on in half, it only manages to break the Kistel in her chest without hurting her at all. Whitesaber yes. is huge. Uh, and uh, he blasts into hyperspace. And then the the piece of the resistance, <laughs> the cherry on top, her, her evil dark side droid comes out and saves her wearing a space helmet. <laughs> They've been out in space the whole time. No problem, but the droid who doesn't need to breathe wears a helmet anyway. <laughs> and that, that to me, like, that is like Studio Trigger saying, yeah, we know, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he, he crash lands on with clearly Tatooine saying, okay, we're going to go and save her. I know she survived. She's out there. I can feel her. We're twins after all. And that's the end. <laughs> this literally felt like five baked dudes in a tiny room yeah. going, yeah, but let, let, let's say he lunges at her, right? And she's got a lightsaber in her heel, and so she attacks. Yeah, man, that sounds great. Write that down. But what if they, they, they were whips? <laughs> okay, yes. but, but remember that scene in that one movie where they hit with hyperspace? But what if he's on the outside with a lightsaber, but upside down? Oh, yes. dude, write that down. Write that down. <laughs> also, uh, not, yep. not only five big dudes, but five big dudes who read... Jeremy's hate journal. <laughs> yes. Yes. We decided we we're going to do everything to piss him off. Everything. Um, I, I looked at this in the, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly, but it was not Star Wars. Like, yeah. I, I get it, but like, the, like, twin brother and sister force users, that was a little too on the nose. Um, right. Uh, but, yeah, it, everything about this was just over the top. Like, when it opens and it's a Star Destroyer and then huge cannon, another Star Destroyer, I was like, okay, everything is over the top. Not not just that. And, like, when she goes to confront her brother, like, not only is she, like, have, like, a squad of stormtroopers, she's got two squads of stormtroopers and two ATSTs. Yes. <laughs> Chicken walkers, for those who don't. Uh-huh. Oh, all right. So yeah, um, on a pure enjoyment level, I thoroughly enjoyed it. On any sort of cognitive ability, yeah, this didn't make sense at all. Yeah, so for me, it's uh, pretty colors and really dumb. <laughs> yep. I don't disagree with that, Jeremy. That's accurate. Uh, <laughs> um, I I'll just say I also I would have been disappointed if Studio Trigger didn't do this one. If Studio Trigger only had the other anime. Mm-hmm. Another episode, I'd be like, "Well, why did we call Studio Trigger then? Like, yeah, why they pull their punches? I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, if if Studio Trigger is coming to do a Star Wars, give me the most ridiculous thing you can think of. That Gurren Logan. <laughs> yeah, give me Gurren Logan in Star Wars. That's what. Yeah. One time, again, yes. this is not a one I want an anime built off of. I agree with Jason when he said this is not Star Wars. This is pretty yeah. as far from Star Wars as we get in all this. Um, but. It is exactly what I wanted when I heard Studio Trigger was making a Star Wars episode in Visions. So, 
Yeah. Like, blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, our next one is The Village Bride by Kinema Citrus. Uh, they start with, we see a young Jedi girl who is wearing a face mask just from, like, beneath the eyes, so you can see her eyes. Um, that's important because when she meets this explorer on this distant planet, uh, who's a friend of hers, and he comments, like, oh, the mask doesn't really suit you. And we get we get a sense from her that her master has recently died and she's been injured not too long ago, which she's using the mask to cover that up. Um, but she's here to meet up with this explorer and he wanted to show her something. And they see this young couple going through a marriage ceremony where the, the groom carries a bride up a mountain to this sacred stone. And they follow them. Uh, and this sacred stone, they call it the Magina on the planet, but it's also the Force. Um, so they go to the stone and the stone like gives them visions of the past. They see themselves as, as in their childhood trying to block the river uh, or you know mess with the flow of the river and also seeing like mountains crumbling, all these visions they get. Uh, but this is part of their marriage ceremony. And the, the Jedi is like, oh, wow, this place really is strong with the forest. And she's told her master used to be has roots in this planet is what it, how it was phrased. So. Uh, the, the bride and groom return to their village and the, the Jedi and the Explorer do as well. And a feast is held that night for the wedding ceremony. And the Explorer explains that bandits had found separatist uh, war material after the war. So they have uh, the battle droids and stuff. And they demanded to this village be subservient to them and give over their chief uh, to protect the chief, the daughter of the chief, the bride has agreed to sacrifice herself, but before doing so, married the the man of her, her dreams, her, her love of her life, um, before she was given up. And then during this ceremony, her sister actually stands up and is like, hey, I, you know, this is wrong. We should be fighting back. We shouldn't, you know, why are we mourning at a wedding? This isn't how it should be. And she takes off with a bunch of her friends, um, that night, the Jedi talks with the bride, and they, they talk about both the Force and, and the, the Magina of, of the planet um, and about doing what you can. And then the next day, the, the bride, and we see a scene with a scene with her husband. Her husband obviously is willing to sacrifice himself, too. He's not letting her go through this alone. But she goes up to the bandit leader the next day, and he's like, oh, that's so nice of you. I'm so glad you did this, but I'm also really upset because, hey, look, this I was attacked. By, or These people were attacking us. Here's your sister. I'm going to execute her. Uh, and he goes to execute her. When he shoots, the laser bolt stops, and the Jedi has stopped the laser bolt. And then the explorer starts sniping from a hill, uh, attacking these bandits. And he throws. What, I love this. He's been wearing a. He had this special helmet on when we first met him, his explorer helmet or whatever it is. And he takes it off and he throws it, and it turns into a rocket that goes inside their spaceship and explodes. <laughs> I don't know if you'd put on a rocket propelled helmet on your head, whereas the rockets, like if it goes off, your head's inside the rocket. <laughs> but it was cool. It didn't seem uh, safe. <laughs> yep. it, it destroys all the battle droids because the ship was their control center. And then the bandit leader grabs uh, the, the bride. Her name is Horu. Hmm. Um, grabs her and holds her at gunpoint and the the jedi uh she pulls out her lightsaber which is very katana shaped and her high heels turn into like super high heel speed boots and she does this dash where she cuts off his arm 
and, and takes him out and uh, basically then says goodbye and wishes everyone well. The explorer helps the village to rebuild and then she leaves in her ship, uh, no longer wearing her mask. She had taken her mask off before the fight uh, and has settled into peace. And this, this, a lot of what's in this that I had to skip over is like how much it's about being in, in harmony with nature and the force and all that, which the bandits were not in the village was. So what did you guys think of this one? Uh, this is number two for me. Um, there was so much visual storytelling in such a short amount of time. I was so impressed. Um, also, this felt like super believable to be included in canon uh, just on an off planet. Like this felt like I was watching something from Star Wars, um, you know, a, a broken hearted Jedi who lost their master trying to find their way uh, meets a wise elderly person that helps them through their struggles with the help of the force and nature um, and, you know, saves the day from these bandits. Uh, I, like, I, I would love to see more about her story. And um, yeah, th this was a great episode. So when I initially said that there, I, I really liked half of these and I really didn't like the other half, well, there's nine. So that means that there's one that doesn't fit in either of those categories. <laughs> and that's this one. This one to me, and I don't know if it was just coming off of the twins, but it was so forgettable to me. Mm. Um, like it was so calm and so relaxed and so peaceful that I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was only 11 I, minutes long. <laughs> I was so bored. I was like, there is just so much of this like lovey dovey harmony with everything crap that <laughs> that they're pushing down my throat here. But no, I totally agree with you, Jason. Like this is probably one of the closest ones you'll get to a realistic Star Wars story. And so for that, I got to give it kudos. Um, so, yeah, I just think it was honestly just having it right after the twins. They should have put this one closer to like, I don't know right between eight and nine or something, <laughs> you know? So it's not just coming off of this crazy nutso one, but it, I don't know. It's forgettable to me, but I, I think it's, it's a good one. I, I'm actually more in Jeremy's camp here. I, I do like this one. I enjoy the, the peacefulness, the sereneness, and I enjoy how much they connected with the, the spiritualness of star Wars in this, you know, the people who made this, they clearly, clearly saw a connection between the balance and the force and the balance of nature and harmony and, and all that stuff. And that's a beautiful sentiment. And I did nothing wrong with the story. The story is good. And it's very, it's very visual. Like you said, Jason, there, there's almost like there's dialogue, but they're hardly ever talking. It's more just beautiful shots of nature and beautiful, um, you know, character poses getting ready for action to happen. Uh, so I did, I do like it. But I'll do find it more forgettable. When I think back on Star Wars Visions, this one is pretty low in when it comes to mind. So uh, I actually get what, what Jeremy is saying here. That's fair. All right. And then on our, to our next one. Uh, this one is actually my favorite. So this is the ninth Jedi by Production IG. They just We just watched Fena Pirate Princess. That, that's Production IG. Um, clearly a big studio. Um, so this, this is one of the longer ones too. So we, 
so if you guys want to jump in on anything that you caught in this one, this might be a better one to do because it is a more filled out episode. Uh, but we start with we are now way far in the future of anything from Star Wars from what we hear. And the Jedi are gone. Um, they've, they've been wiped out from the galaxy. But uh, there are still force users out there, people who want to be Jedi. But the way to build lightsabers has been all but lost to the galaxy. So this uh, Margrave uh, has found a place to harvest kyber crystals. And I love has... the way they harvest. It's yeah. so dumb. <laughs> it is, but so it's so dumb. cool. When you have spaceships using physical catapults to launch our you know, yes. hands out and grab. But I also love it. <laughs> And and if you noticed, it was specifically on a planet with rings, right? So yeah. it's not just like random floating objects. There's literal like a planet has busted and made a ring around this planet, and so now they're getting whatever remnants are left with these <laughs> literal catapults that throw a hook, like more like a a claw machine hand. Yes. And before it can finish its arc. It then, like, fires a rocket and goes up into space. I love it. So funny. The amount of cable required right. to do what they're doing right. is not possible. <laughs> also, how tough they had to be to fall from, like, yes. high orbit to... <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I was wondering why it wasn't on fire re-entering atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, to me, though, there's something very Star Wars about them. There's something... Star Wars is very futuristic technology, but also archaic at the same time. You know, we yeah. can go to space, but we need moisture evaporators, whatever those do. Um, you know, they use like World War II equipment, binoculars, even though they have spaceships. It's just, right. it works for me. So yeah, though I did, I do love the, the cloth thing. Um, so yeah, and and so we start with uh, this very big asteroid in around this planet where there's a temple and we see uh, a young man enter the temple. His name is Ethan. He's a, a masterless Jedi and he sees the other masterless he Jedi. Like who, the, he looks like a, a typical protagonist too. Like the way like, he's drawn and acts. It doesn't help that his name is Ethan either because right. it's like walking into Star Wars and being like, my name is Tim. <laughs> yeah. What? This is this is Star Wars. You're supposed to have like a weird name. <laughs> yeah. Name's supposed to be like Boba or Han. <laughs> My name is Tim. Um, so yeah, Ethan comes in and he meets the rest of the, uh, I, I believe it's, is it seven? Yeah, there's seven strangers who are waiting um, to, together for the Margrave to appear. And because he has invited them to ha come get lightsabers. Like, hey, we will restore the Jedi Order. Come and get your lightsabers. But no one's ever met him, and they're all a little worried, like, is this a trap? Is this kind of, uh, is this on the up and up? Do Has anyone ever met him? And, and no one knows anything. Um, then we meet a young girl who lives on the planet, and her name is Kara. She helps oversee the kyber mining, and her father is the lightsaber smith. And so she goes in to her father, who has completed building the lightsabers, and they're a little bit different than Star Wars lightsabers in that... The power of the force user changes what they look like. So and their um, length. And, yep, you can change their length and their color based on who's holding it. And so when she picks one up, she's able to change the length up and down. But she notices there's hardly any color to it. I actually love that addition. Um, Jeremy, do you remember we we once tried to homebrew a Star Wars thing with like yes. adding elements? 
uh, elemental stuff. It gave me yeah. that vibe of, of yeah. a little bit of home brewing my own feel, what I feel should be in Star Wars. And I, I yeah. did love it. It broke the story a little bit. And the reason is, is because you've got the Smith who he just finishes a lightsaber. He turns it on. It's bright blue. It's normal length. That would that imply he's also force yes. sensitive? Oh yeah. And if that's the case, yes. why couldn't he hold his own against two guards? Yes, I wondered that too. So I wondered that why that, could... that broke a little bit of the murder for me for this one. Besides yeah. that, I I actually enjoyed the rest of it. But well, since we're talking about the blacksmith, I I really didn't like the idea that this blacksmith is making lightsabers for everybody else, right? Because part of Jedi training, I know Jedi are gone, and so the training would disappear with them, right? And so you're not, you don't have to follow the Jedi training, but the training existed, I think, for a purpose um, in the lore. The purpose was for them to have a good enough connection to the lightsaber they made so they wouldn't cut their own head off. Um, I give that a little bit of a hand waviness for this story, though, because they make it implied that lightsabers are all but gone. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, the 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 idea of being able to make one yourself is probably lost as well. I just wonder if they would actually be very good at wielding them, and it doesn't look like most of them are, which is okay. <laughs> that actually helps. Um, but again, that even brings up the problem of I don't understand why the girl who has the weakest force connection to compared to any of them is astounding and like way better than anybody else with a lightsaber. Um, so I don't know. I have, I have some problems with just the whole blacksmith thing in general and the girl's power level. So I'm a, I'm a, mm, I'm not going to say nerd out. No, I, and I'm not, I'm actually going to explain. So a lot of people aren't going to understand what you mean in this. This is going to date us too. In the old (laughs) West end star Wars role playing game that we grew up as teenagers playing. (laughs) Yeah. There was a rule, and you gotta remember this game was considered lore and canon. Um, and matter of fact, a lot of stuff that still exists in lore and canon came from the West End Star Wars role playing game. You know, what we call X Wings, you know, the, the T60, uh, God, I'm drawing so many blanks today, I'm sorry. But technical names came from that game that we still use in canon today. There was a rule that you had to be force sensitive to wield a lightsaber so that not any random character builder could, I'm a bounty hunter, but I also carry two lightsabers and I dual wield them and I'm able to beat everything. Um, but you, that, you, you suffered massive penalties yes. if you did. You were very likely to cut your own head off. And the, and the canon reason for this rule was, hey, if you don't have the force and you hold a lightsaber, you, you could just stab yourself in the face that mm-hmm. easily. Like You need the force to be able to use it. That hasn't been a thing since for a very, very long time, especially since George Lucas decided he didn't care. And, you know, in the prequels, we have General Grievous who wields four at a time. Yes, he has a robot body, but a lot of people don't adhere to that anymore. Yeah. The explanation, uh, yeah. the, the explanation that I remember reading was that the lightsabers don't want to move. They're kind of like a gyroscope. They do not want to move. On their own. And so you can't, you're not just wielding them like you wield a sword. You're literally using the force to move them. And I know this is like grognard garbage that I'm doing right now, but <laughs> still, this is the perspective that I'm coming from is like, depending on how strong you are with the force is how capable you are at moving your lightsaber and knowing where it is. Cause you feel it. You don't just swing it. I wasn't going to relitigate an old argument with you, Jeremy. I was ex- more explaining to people who are listening. He was like, wait, what? What's wrong lots with of, Jeremy? Lots of non-forced people without the force. He's having a stroke. And yeah. in, in, in current 
Granted, and even from George Lucas's stuff, there is lots of people who used lightsabers who didn't have force powers. See, as of this point, because he's a robot. A robot. Well, but you have the dark saber, which has a ton of. Don't go. We're not going deep. (laughs) I just. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. There's going to be listeners who who disagree and want to argue, and I want them to understand that that very much was a thing at one time, and especially like I said, for us, we grew up playing Mm -hmm. those games, and so much of that still is a thing that it is hard. It's not fair to say, well, you can't keep this part anymore. Up. So Jeremy has a legitimate reason there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like what you have is in in the original presentation of it. You've got like really tight, pretty well hooked together ideas, and and then it just gets looser and looser and looser and looser until things just kind of exist in this sort of cloud of well maybe anything. Um, and yeah, so in this, I'm looking at it and this is more, uh, the, the blacksmith making lightsabers for everybody where they don't have to learn to make their own. They don't have to get the connection to their own lightsaber that fits perfectly. Like you're saying in this new realm of, you know, loosen all the rules so that everything goes, but man, back in the day when star Wars was great, uh, that would not fly, man. (laughs) I didn't have a problem with her power level. The only thing that bugged me about this was that the blacksmith couldn't defend himself i didn't like that but okay well i gotta ask you then about her power level right like where did she learn to wield how is she wielding the the lightsaber why is she so good she's never wielded one before well in the very beginning when he first hands her one of them and she Mm -hmm. turns it on it doesn't have color she blocks a couple blaster shots Mm -hmm. luke blocked blaster shots before he even had a real grasp of what the force was and her ability to ride the bike. She's been riding the bike for quite some time. So being able to, you know, a semi force user to be able to take on a guard that made sense to me. Why did, why did she, why was she able to block the lights, uh, the blaster bolts? Well, I don't know if there's ever a reason given, but in game it's force sensitive. You can predict where the shots are coming from. I think that's not just like an in-game reason. I think that's just the Star Wars reason. Like when you're wielding a lightsaber, if you block blaster bolts, it's because the force is guiding you to do it. Yes. Right. It's not specifically skill. It's yeah. It is force. the force. So yeah. if she's that good with the force to be consistently blocking them, leaping around like a maniac and everything, yet her lightsaber is not changing color at all but then it does later we're not so given like, a good reason what? or power level on what the difference between colored lightsaber and clear lightsaber is so well it seems like alignment but i don't but, understand why her alignment would change suddenly in that room yeah see and this is why i don't have a problem with it they didn't establish any rules as far as power level but <laughs> a, an apprentice yeah. taking on a guard with a blaster that that, that seems very reasonable to me Yet the blacksmith couldn't. That's the that's my problem. The blacksmith should have been able to deal with both of them just fine. But she's so, not an apprentice. She's never wielded one before. All right, let's. You don't know that. Uh, Cracking my knuckles. Says it. I'm stepping in. I'm stepping okay. in, guys. Okay. Sugar Ray <laughs> Let's do here. this. All right. Uh, there's no reason to assume she's never held a lightsaber before. But or at least has not I had one. This is this is a new okay, thing for her. So I'll say none. A real lightsaber, but she could have had sword training. She's literally been raided by the Margrave, who is a long-known Jedi and a father who, clear, who mm-hmm. and the father is clearly Sense able to make lightsabers and is a force wielder. The the father literally blocks a, a blaster bolt with his hand and deflects it. Yeah. 
which then catches him in an explosion, which is why I think he got abducted by what are called Jedi hunters, not just two commando <laughs> guards. Um, True. They are, they are Jedi hunters. Um, I think they leave it loose enough for it to be okay. I don't think they explain, hey, this is what, why she's this good, but I think they leave it open enough that she's okay. The Force helping you with stuff is very much taken as instinct. We see Anakin Skywalker as a pod racer long before he's ever to train, not something a human can do because he leans into his instinct, but we know that it's actually the Force telling him what to do. She could just be very good at trusting her instincts, thus being able to block blaster bolts and not realize, oh, I'm actually doing totally Jedi stuff. Um, and I manifest in her blade. I think it's more of a, a self-confidence thing because because it changes so quickly. I think as she le- comes to believe her, herself as a Jedi, uh, her blade changes color. And I actually really like that, that throughout the whole story, her the blade gets greener and greener until the end. She has a full on green blade. Actually, when that one dude's saber turns purple, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Even though the the blade changing per alignment would kind of piss me off, but <laughs> agree to disagree on this one and go forward. <laughs> Let's okay. keep marching. Well, yeah, okay. I mean we're not done yet, so <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, so she runs away from the guards and is at, she's tasked to deliver. Okay, we skipped over a bunch of stuff. Guards show up. <laughs> They're Jedi hunters. They come for the the lightsaber maker. They say the Margrave has has sent them. Uh, He sends Kara with the lightsabers to go deliver them. Um, He is caught in an explosion, is captured. She runs off. One of them pursues her. We then see the Masterless Jedi again. And and a giant droid has come in. He's like, hey, yeah, the Margrave will be here. He's shy. He's weird. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. And he he has a box with him. He's like, oh, you guys want to see a lightsaber? And, and Ethan pulls it out, and he, he turns on his, a lightsaber, and they're like, oh, we haven't seen lightsaber in, in forever. Lightsabers were gone before I was even born. Um, so they're all very excited to see it. Then we see Kara. It was ha- very, just real quickly, it was very uh, curious that no one else wanted to grab the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. Ethan grabbed it and turned it on. Which I think was intentional on the robot's part of, hey, you know what? I want to see which one of them holds this and see if. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh, look, that guy's is blue. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, we get a, a really cool speeder chase with, with Kara and the thing. She drives backwards, blocks his laser bolts. The, the scene in the trailer that, that was always showed revisions is when she hits the ice, she jumps off the scooter bike, is running, but still sliding backwards on the ice, cuts his, his scooter down. Her droid rings her scooter back and she drives off. I also, there's, there's a camera shot where the camera's moving at a certain speed and it's going faster than her as she's getting on the speeder, but then she takes off on the speeder and, and surpasses the camera. It just has this really cool, like, effect that I, I know oh, every time I watch good. this one. I love that. Um, she drives on. She goes to these uh, pilot droids, shuttle pilots uh, droids, and they're all dead except one. And she's like, hey, I, I, I need you to take me to the temple. In the, in the asteroid in space, and he's like, "I'm on my break. Get someone <laughs> else." And she's like, "They are all broken. You need to take me." Fine. This had not only does this fit Star Wars for me, but also had a Miyazaki vibe to me. This this old container robot droid, drinking tea, drinking tea, and doesn't want to do his job. <laughs> 
Um, he, even just the way that the robot walks, the droid walks when he walks to the ship, was like a very old man. He like puts his hands behind yeah. him as he walks. <laughs> um, so he he does take her up there. When she gets there, she she goes to the Jedi and she hands out. She opens the lightsabers. She's like, "Here, you guys, you need to help my father. Where's the Margrave?" And they're like, "Wait, you know the Margrave?" And she's like, "Yeah, I've known him since I was a baby. I've, I've lived here my whole life. He's a great man." And they're like, okay, well, we don't, they say like, we can't wait anymore. We need, we need to act. And they all turn on their lightsabers and outside of Ethan, <laughs> they're all red. Uh, they're Sith, they're acolytes, and they're here to kill the Jedi. Um, subversion twist. <laughs> yeah. Especially, I actually like that twist. Yeah. yeah. Especially That's since cool. the, the Margrave that we've seen is in very much like a black cloak with a black mask, very Darth Vader. Red eyes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you're supposed to think, oh, is he just trying to trick Jedi? You're, yeah, he did it on purpose. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Margrave appears though. He was in the giant droid the whole time. <laughs> He's like, haha, you idiots. <laughs> uh, steals a lightsaber from one and it instantly turns from red to like green with a uh, cross hilt part. Uh, this okay one second it was really weird to see that he was in the droid and yet none of them sensed him <laughs> and, he was suppressing I mean, his uh, powers right next to them i know that works if you're a distance away but if you're within like 20 feet 10 feet you can still suppress your powers that seems i guess palpatine did it but you'd have to be that level he also power. beats like seven of them or okay there is seven uh like three or four of them on his own uh, they seem yeah. kind of weak like, without Jedi yeah, yeah. to go against, the Sith have become a little stagnant. And they put One it out of them has activates, red lightning. So. But, yeah. All right, big fight happens. Like I say, he kills a bunch. Uh, Karas joins the fight. Ethan joins the fight. Ethan's terrible. <laughs> He's, like, barely yes. hanging on. Uh, Kara's taken on two at a time. Her lightsaber's yeah. fully green now. Um, she eventually... They take on like the, the the boss of these guys, and she takes them on, uh, and then the Juro, the Margrave, uh, pushes him. <laughs> and this temple is like built on a giant kyber crystal, so he like falls and catches on fire and dies. Why? And... Why did he die? Because he came in contact with a kyber crystal. No, he broke the protective seal. I guess there was some sort of beam going through it. It, it implied that he broke some sort of protective heat shield. I, and I, I saw that, but, and, like, why? Because yeah. he burned up. <laughs> why not? Why? Why? Yeah, that's a better If it's question. just a kyber crystal, then what is the beam for? What's the point of that? I don't understand. It's a giant lightsaber. These, these are uh, anthologies. Okay, it's rule of... Uh, giant lightsaber pointed at the planet? For <laughs> what purpose? For what purpose? As a signal of where the smith is. But... You actually got coordinates from a from a little disc. Like you didn't need that signal. I'm totally joking, Jeremy. I don't know why. I know. I, I just I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's the rule of cool. It, it's just killing me here. In an anthology, that's okay though, because you don't. As long as it's not impossible, it can be pl- and it's plausible. There could be a purpose for that. That way, if you fall in there, you die. And that's all you need to know. And if they made a part two and then someone fell in there and then didn't die, then you'd be like, okay, no, no, no you need to address that. But, you know, this is a 20-minute episode. It's it's a one-time thing. It just does. Yeah. I guess for me it's like uh, – I, I totally agree with you, but I guess for me it's like this compound thing where, like, 
he was literally hammering a kyber crystal to prepare it to go in a lightsaber. <laughs> but if you notice he also, the hammer was it. too big to get into the crevice where the crystal was. So he was only hitting the guides that were holding the crystal. Okay, so he wasn't beating it. He wasn't even doing proper blacksmithing then because he wasn't coming into contact with whatever he was hammering. He was being ineffectual. You don't know what Kyber blacksmithing is proper. We got to see people make lightsabers and they did not hit their Kyber crystals with hammers. It's a crystal, not a metal. (laughs) What I love about this scene, by the way, is the shortest, like, ugliest alien looking dude that dies first. His lightsaber goes red. He's the first one to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how. <laughs> there, okay, there is actually an issue with this episode. And then I should say, this is my favorite. And I want a real anime based off of this. I'm. Especially since it's set so far. It's like, hey, this is a completely different time frame. Thousands of years later, you. I'm okay with loosening up the lore to, to do go to a time frame like that. Cool. Yeah. But none I mean, of these I people forgot. have oh, ever sorry. met the Margrave. Ever. And then five minutes into this battle, they act like they've known him all their life and they're very irritated with him. They're like, Juro, oh, Juro, Juro, how dare you? Like, Juro. you don't know this dude. Why Why are you taking this so personal? <laughs> yeah. That felt yeah. a little weird. It felt like they were like old friends, but also in the first half, they'd never met him before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's only one Sith left. It's a big fuzzy guy, and his lightsaber turns from red to purple, and they're like, hey! He's like, oh, sorry. Dark side got me, guys. Sorry, my bad. Um, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just forget that happened. Yeah, <laughs> You're one right. of us now. And then they're like, Kara, uh, you should become a Jedi, too. And she's like, okay, can we go save my dad? Yep, let's go do that. And the four of them, like, have this cool slow-mo action walking out of the temple shot as this giant spaceship picks them up. And they fly off to go save her father, and then the temple is an upside-down lightsaber. Yes. <laughs> I, lo- I love all of that. <laughs> it, it was one of the higher ones on the list for me, but um, the, the action was cool. The story was a little... Uh, but, yeah, the I still have a problem with the blacksmith not being able to defend himself, but... I, I get the explosion weakened him, but yeah. I would be down for an anime about four brand new Jedi in a, in a galaxy that hasn't had a gener- Jedi for generations. You know, one of them is Ethan and he sucks. One of them just came back from the dark side and like, you can't have him around Sith. He'll turn into a Sith right away. <laughs> like you gotta keep him away. Uh, and He's our old- diplomat. An old crazy guy who likes to dress up in scary masks and a young girl who just wants to find her dad and has to put up with these three idiots. Uh, that's yeah. a good anime for like a season or two. I'm, I'd be down for that. Yeah. First season is like them finding the dad and like picking up new recruits. And then like the second season is like their search for Jedi across the galaxy. Yeah, or the battle against the Sith acolytes and finally having the face off. And like I said, because it's set so far away from actual lore, I'm fine with this actually plugging into canon somewhere. Yeah. I I, I mean, I totally we have time do. travel, so. We do? Oh. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Cool portals. Yes, yes, we do. Um, so, yeah, I actually agree with you that the, the distance that it's placed in the future gives it a lot of leeway that you don't normally find. The only things that I think still don't make sense are hammering kyber crystals... <laughs> 
that just I can't figure that one out. Um, <laughs> and then um, I don't know the, the forgiving the guy for trying to kill them alongside the other Sith. <laughs> that I just don't get that. Like that doesn't seem like a very Jedi thing to hey, do, even no if you harm, are no desperate. Foul. None of the no none harm, of the no guys foul. died. He didn't yeah. wound anybody. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, and he turned good. No harm. That no doesn't foul. sound like he's very useful then. Guys, I think I accidentally joined the mob. My bad. I just got really caught up with the. <laughs> yeah, I was overcome by the dark side. Well, that's going to happen again. They promised me cookies. All right, we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah. We're moving on to TLB1 uh, by Science uh, Saru. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Uh, the moment I saw this, I was like, am I watching an episode of Mega Man? That's yes, same. That's exactly what I said to Tanya before we even saw Toby. I was like, this is Mega Man. That was Dr. Egg right there. Right? <laughs> guys, guys, not, it's not Mega Man. It's what it's was inspired Astro Boy. Astro Boy, the first yeah. anime ever. Yeah, yeah. Like, that makes sense to build into one of the episodes. Anyway, uh, T.O.B. Uh, 1. <laughs> T.O.B. 1, Kenobi. Uh, he is a little oh. robot who helps a professor who's trying to create life on a planet by creating rain. Um, but all he wants to do is become a Jedi. And the, the master's like, hey, stay out of the basement. And Jedi are not a thing. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, quit dreaming about adventure and help me do science. Does he have arms? Nope. The doctor? No. Okay. He does not. Uh, he, have, <clears throat> so this is actually, because there's an Inquisitor, it's post-Clone Wars. Um, so he probably lost him in the Clone Wars. Mm. Or to Vader. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally tells, fine, if you want to be a Jedi, you have to find a Kyber Crystal, and there's only one on this entire planet, so good luck. So, this little robot boy builds a scooter, uh, uh, a speeder, and explores the entire planet, can't find it. Eventually, the guy's like, well, have you tried using the Force? He's like, no, you didn't tell me that part. Um, searches the entire planet, can't find it, decides, well, I'm not allowed to go in the basement. It's the only place I haven't looked, so he goes into the basement, and he finds a spaceship. He's like, oh, cool, a spaceship, and he turns it on. Well, it's a Jedi spaceship, and so an Inquisitor, uh, a Star Destroyer, picks up the signal. Oh, and he and also says, calls on, like, all comms. Hey, are there any Jedi out there? <laughs> <laughs> also, so, you say searches the entire planet, but the old Jedi doc or the old doctor doesn't age. So I think he had about the attention span of a regular kid his age and searched about as much as you'd expect a regular kid his age to do. Fair enough. <laughs> Lift or a few a, rocks and then come back. It's a very tiny Rick and Morty planet. Uh, yeah, there you go. Around. That's possible. Uh, the 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 professor whose name is Toka, he he reveals he actually is a Jedi, and he gives him the pieces of his lightsaber and locks him away. And Toby T O B one, I call him Toby T O B one, passes out, and when he wakes up. Uh, everything's been wrecked and the professor is dead has been killed by the Inquisitor so he decides he's going to continue his work he does eventually complete it rain comes to the planet life comes to the planet and when that happens he finds the kyber crystal within himself and he's able to complete and create the lightsaber but the Inquisitor comes back and he battles the Inquisitor uh, and the, the professor tells him he is, he is a Jedi now and so they they fight. Another little droid jumps on his back and gives him a jetpack. He loses his arm. He defeats the Inquisitor. Uh, with and the, the Inquisitor says, A Force-sensitive droid? Ah! And I was like, oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the Inquisitor. Uh, and 
then uh, he decides he packs up all his science stuff and he's going to go continue the professor's research on other planets like he because that's what a Jedi does. Oh, God. And uh, OK. Thoughts? I this don't have very many. Show. I hated it. <laughs> this is a kid's show all the way. Like this is the one I was thinking of when I said if it's an in-universe like nursery show for little kids to be like, yeah, this is the force. Watch Mr. Toby. Did you say nursery? Yeah, I was thinking of like a preschool nursery or something where they're Should playing it in the background. So my seven-year-old really likes this. And I just <laughs> want to remind everyone Jeremy doesn't have children. <laughs> he doesn't know yes. ages. So. Okay. <laughs> just put this on. Where there's kids, just play this. They'll love it. <laughs> J- Jason, no, no go for you either? No. Um... <laughs> just breaks so much about what Star Wars is. Plus, I couldn't stand the animation, um, and everything was just hyper stylized. And I just, I didn't like it. Did you like the sound design for his like walking, squeak, 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 squeak? Just the the Pinocchio story was just not yeah. something for me. <laughs> it is not my favorite by any stretch of the imagination. My son does love it, and I love how hype he gets during the fight. <laughs> yeah, I believe and it. yes, for I, Jeremy's right. It is this is for little children, but also the fact that there is a there is a reference to Astro mixing Astro Boy and Star Wars, mm. I think is very cool, um, and I love it for that. It is not one I care. You know, I need to watch ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like watching like, my son get hype with the Inquis- and I like this as an Inquisitor because that's yeah. a that's a kind of a deep cut in Star Wars lore nowadays but i love how like the inquisitor shows up at just the right moments like to kill the old jedi and then later he shows up at just the right moment once he gets like life and everything going on the planet and he's like there was another one up and and you're left wondering so how long did it take right the professor had been there for a long time presumably years trying to get this to work and then the little toby had to rebuild the entire laboratory and then continue the studies test experiment and produce life and rain create an atmosphere that now is producing rain where was the inquisitor like is this the same inquisitor and he's just like happens to be back at this moment is like i remember you it it made it seem like it was a day or two later or a week later and it just i don't know i'm sure this is just a fever dream and some kids actually just got cancer in the hospital I, That's all. I, Ooh, I, wow. Dark, but okay. Please, please. Happy 2022, everyone. Yeah. Hey, Betty White just died. Seriously. <laughs> I spent the morning watching Golden Girl Eclipse and laughing so hard. It's so good. <laughs> all right. Let's go on to the next one. We don't need to talk Thank about you. it. Oh, the only thing I want to mention is Science Saru, who does probably the most kiddie version, also does one of the most hardcore ones. They did the last one as well, which mm. is one of like the darkest uh, yeah. stories. So uh, they're capable, and they clearly yeah. were going for something, and that's fine. All right, right, yep. The Elder. This is also Studio Trigger. You could not convince me of it if you didn't have the credits telling me it was Studio Trigger. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, agreed. And also, um, I think. Out of all of them, this is the closest, uh, I think besides like the bride, the village bride, of being like, if you told me this was canon, this was just a side story, I would 100% believe it. 
Mm-hmm. Like everything about this felt very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a a Jedi who was just called the the Master, and his Padawan, whose name is Dan, and they're they're exploring the Outer Rim because that's what the Master likes to do with his time. And Dan wants adventure, and he's like, oh, yeah, apprentices, we'll do that. Um, but then the Master senses a disturbance in the Force, so they go to a nearby planet, um, and they talk with the local villagers, and the villagers say, yeah, an elderly man recently was here recently, and we haven't seen him since. Um, so Dan and the Master, Dan's like, hey, let, let's split up. I'll go climb the mountains, where he probably is, and you can go check out his ship. Um, and so Dan goes with these kids that he's befriended, and the Master goes with some of the villagers to the ship. And and they find uh, Dan finds uh, a creature that you have to be careful of in these mountains, but its throat has been slashed, but it was clearly a lightsaber blade. And the master finds the ship, and it's for those of us who have seen Star Wars, this is it's all black and red, and it's like that's the most <laughs> Sith thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, and, and, but he so this is um, pre Clone Wars. Uh, it could even be as old as High Republic. But yeah, so these are Jedi who haven't seen a Sith in a long time. And Master has even said there hasn't been a Sith in in hundreds of years. They're gone. There's no way it could be Sith. Um, well, this elderly man, short looking impish guy with two red katana lightsabers, um, he, he appears and he attacks Dan. And he, he's kind of disappointed in Dan. He's like, you're not the one I was looking for. I want to fight someone good. And Dan so tries I to felt someone strong, but it wasn't you. Yeah. Dan tries and Dan gets cut down. He's like, and he'll then... show up when I kill you. Yep. He literally just sits over over him. Um, <laughs> the master does show up and he fights this guy and manages to win because Dan, who's still alive, throws his lightsaber to, to at the at the elder and distracts him long enough that the the master is able to turn off his lightsaber and then thrust in and then turn it on to go for the killing blow. And he, and he kills this guy right before he dies though. The elder self destructs his ship. So they can't learn anything about him and, and all they himself can... somehow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he, he dies. Yeah. To ash. Yeah. Um, and then the, the master just kind of theorizes that because he had said some stuff to Dan, that he's probably a former Sith who just lived to hunt Jedi now. And, I love the idea that this this he looks human. He has a red lightsaber. He could be Sith, but really, he's just a monster. This is a monster story. Um, and so, while I don't find this one very impressive, the animation is actually kind of simple, and the story is just kind of really straightforward. I love the concept of this one more than anything. Mm-hmm. It felt very grounded, and I like that a lot. Yeah. This was my third favorite. Um, I did love that there was just this, yeah, monster in an old dude's body. <laughs> but I did love, I did love the like lesson at the end of the only reason we could beat him is because time beat him. Yeah. We didn't, yeah, time did. And then no matter how strong you get, there's going to come a point where you're just going to start going downhill, and that's where you come in to replace me. Um, I thought that was a pretty sweet message. Um, yeah, also, I like the exchange back and forth between the Padawan and the Master. It was very Anakin. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> he was kind of a punk Padawan. 
which was which was funny. Yeah, where's the um, action? I want to fight. Yeah, exactly. And he was always saying like, "You're such a wise master. You're such a," and you can tell it's just sarcasm, just dripping. Yeah, yeah. He even points out I was being sarcastic. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, like you guys mentioned that uh, that faint where he basically just like turns off the lightsaber and then turns it back on. Um, Shot diversity on uh, YouTube. The Shot Diversity channel does a he did a fantastic episode a while back where he actually went through the mechanics of like what would lightsaber fighting really look like, um, given the way that you know the rules that we have for lightsabers and it, what it wound up being is more like uh, rapier fighting mm. because you do not want to be anywhere near your own <laughs> lightsaber or the enemy and you can turn it off so easily so like is the most dangerous thing you just like flick it off all the time so it was cool to see a a star wars episode of anything where that actually happened i've never seen that before yeah oh you have troy you've seen it yeah yeah like like a lot of times but uh, that's okay (laughs) really Uh, specifically i can i I think in clone wars it happens a couple times Mm. but but, you know that's like a hundred episodes cartoon series oh yeah they're gonna do stuff like that. i didn't watch that yeah yeah Alright, uh, moving on to Lop and Ocho. This is by Gino Studio. Um, this one has, we start, we're on the planet Tau, which is definitely not Japan, and it's under Imperial control, which is definitely not British colonization. <laughs> yeah, none of, none of these episodes are taking place on Japan. Honest. None of these are planet <laughs> Japan. <laughs> um, and we see this, uh, escaped slave bunny girl. Um, and it, it is canon that there are bunny people in Star Wars. So, and, and when we say bunny girl, we don't mean like, you know, senpai bunny girl. We're talking about like actual rabbit. She got a puffy tail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, but she's, uh, clearly an escaped slave and she's in the market trying to steal food. And this lord and his daughter come across her and the daughter's like oh come come live with us and the lord's like oh now i have to do it because you said it and uh we'll take her in yeah well and so they free her and they take her in and then we go to seven years later and we see uh the lost the bunny girl and she's waking up from an attack on the imperial facility that her father adoptive father has done he is he's be doing terrorist activity against the empire and their wow. their colonization and his daughter ocho um his, his human daughter is is very much against him and is very much you know we need the empire they are advancing our technology they're advancing our, our everything we need to submit to them so they're clearly at odds and he has to run away because the the soldiers come so lop is driving ocho and they come they find this imperial officer who's like, "Hey, you said you were gonna deal with your dad, and you didn't. So now you need to work with me." And Ocho's like, "Okay." So she officially joins the Empire. So Lop runs home. I love how the uh, officer looks basically like Kefka. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they make him so obviously <laughs> evil. He's got like this elf ears. Colored ears. I think that's the one problem I have with a lot of Star Wars uh, in general is. The officers aren't just like military officers doing their job. They're just always comically evil. Yes. Yeah. You know. I mean, some. not always, but you know, you find more of them than you do not. 
I mean, there, there's an answer for that, but this is an anime podcast, not a Star Wars podcast. So I'll let it go. Selective promotion. No, I just okay. So Star Wars is is based on like Flash Gordon, right? George Lucas grew up watching old serials, and and in Flash Gordon, the villains are mustachy, twirly, evil, and Flash Gordon is brave and blonde and beautiful, and <laughs> and clearly a hero. And the surface, especially of Star Wars movies, is that the villains are identifiable in the wink of an eye, and so are the heroes. You you look at Luke Skywalker; he's dressed in all white; he's a hero. You look at an Imperial Commander, you see a Nazi uniform, and you know he's a villain. <laughs> Darth Vader walks into a room, and you don't have to guess what side he's on. Uh, that's that's intentional. Now, in later stuff, there has been like books about, like, hey, what if an Imperial officer felt wishy-washy about the stuff they were doing? How did people feel about, wait, the Death Star blew up a what? A whole planet? Are we bad guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's one of the funny things about it. Not to get too far into the uh, off the topic, but like a lot of the core worlds that were in the Empire, they were just living their normal daily lives. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's more off in that room. That's fine. Yep. So I guess my point is there is Star Wars content that has come out that has looked a little more into the gray area or the, hey, maybe they weren't as bad, even though they were on the bad side. Um but in the movies, it was very much intentional. Guy walks into room or scene, and you immediately know good guy or bad guy. Or undead guy sucking the life out of young people. <laughs> Our um, fearless <laughs> leader. <laughs> <laughs> so Ojo joins the Empire. She also cuts her hair and wipes blood uh, makeup into her eyes. If I remember correctly, cutting the hair is a symbol of giving up on the afterlife or something like that. Like, it's it's really, really big. It's not just cutting your hair because you've changed your yeah, this, lifestyle. Yeah, this was clear. Clearly, there's something big going on. I, I don't yeah. I hadn't heard that, but that would be that would make sense. It may also be. I remember also reading that uh, it's a sign of a connection to your parents or respect to your parents. I remember that being the case too. It's like your fingernails and your hair. If you cut them, you're dishonoring your parents or something like that. That would Ancient make a lot customs. of sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lop returns home uh, to ask her father for help. Most of men, his men have deserted, uh, have left. Um, and she's like, Hey, I want to bring our family back together. I want to save our family. What can I do? So he takes her and he gives her he passes down the the customary special weapon this that they scene <laughs> is so beautiful. It's like, wonderful. They, it was yeah. animated so gorgeously. Not just that, but like what he says, I love what he says. He says I need to apologize to you because I might have preferred my real daughter over you and I may have wronged you by doing that because you are just as much my daughter even though you're not my flesh daughter. And just the way that he said it, the way they wrote it was so elegant and uh, heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, very, very cool. Well, well done. He also explains this weapon came from a Jedi that visited their planet and gifted it to their family and that they've used it as a symbol of their family since that time. And he gifts it to Lop. It's a lightsaber. Crazy. <laughs> Who saw a special <laughs> lightsaber? Weird. Of these stories. Um, yep. And then he tells her, like, you stay here. I'm going to go meet with Ocho and talk with her. So he takes a bunch of men and he leaves. But and he also like, leaves, like, hey, this is, like, the last time I'm going to see you. And also, like, this whole mansion area. Yeah, it's basically gone. You're yeah, on our, your own. Yeah. Our, our, family's, <laughs> our family's done. 
Yep. You stay here. I'm gonna go. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. <laughs> I think uh, he tells her to leave too. Like, he's not safe here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did. Um, there's an explosion at the Imperial facility where he is. So she jumps in the speeder, which she had abandoned, but now it's back. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she has the raddest Mary Poppins umbrella ever. Oh God, yes. Yeah, so she does like this cool speeder speeder jump. The speeder crashes, and then she's flying, and it opens the umbrella and like sails all the rest of the way to the Imperial facility. Yeah. Very cool shot. Um, she gets there, and the dad is fighting with Ocho, and he's like, "I don't want to fight you, Dada." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "No, I, I'm, I, I will fight you, Dad, if that's what it takes to make you listen." And right when Lop walks in, she cuts out his eye. Well, he already was missing one, so he's like, "Oh, now I can't see the faces of my daughters." That was my uh, good eye. That was my that was my last good eye. Um, Lop, I need you to 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 save your sister. And so, but Ocho goes to hit her father again, and Lop turns on the lightsaber and, and blocks her. And now Ocho, who again at the beginning of the story was like, "Hey, let's take this girl in, let's make her part of the family," is like, "You ain't family. Why do you have the lightsaber of the family? Mm-hmm. I'm the head of the family. This, you aren't even part of this." Um, yeah. and, and Lop's like, "No, I am part of this, and I'm fixing this family." And they have this really cool lightsaber duel. I uh, love in the blade. It's got like um, uh, kanji. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the blade, which yeah. doesn't make sense doesn't in make a light blade, sense. but whatever. It's very uh, cool looking. Ocho gets red eyes, clearly, as she's tapping to the dark side. Uh, Lop pulls a katana, not a katana, a psi, um, to, to her with the force. So they're both now using the force and battling. <laughs> Lop wins. Ocho <laughs> falls out, but lands on a Thai Ravager? <laughs> You're nervous. A Thai transport and, and runs away. And so. Lop will continue to fight to save her family. Then, okay, so there's obviously some silly stuff in here, like the kanji and the blade, the fact that they're both ha- they both happen to be force, force users at, right, at the right time, at the right time, and everything. Um, the 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 vehicle, and yet still, the the story to me was very poignant. It was very clear. Um, the the message of their family and also of their values and that story of, you know, the one who, like you said, Troy, she initially wanted this person in her family, but now that this person is actually stepping up and is going to wind up being the head because she sucks. <laughs> and she cannot be the head. She's a bad person. Um, it's just, it's a good story and I don't think it gets old. Um, so, yeah, this one was, was one of my favorites. No, this one was pretty good. Um, I did enjoy this one a lot. Uh, yeah, some stuff didn't make sense, but yeah, it felt very, this is not Planet Japan. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives me Rurouni Kenshin vibe, because that dealt with a lot with, um, British colonization too. Yes. And, uh, and I love, I love that in Japan, the empire isn't Nazi Germany, which it, that's what the kind of the, the substitute for, for us is, but it's, yeah. it's British colonization. I do love that. Um, this is my son's favorite one. This is my, at the end of this one, he had his lightsaber out. He was ready to become a full on Jedi. Um, and it's a, it's a hype machine. This episode is a hype machine. And a lot of them are, but this one, this one does a really good job when he, it doesn't look like it's going to be as impressive as maybe the duel or some of the other ones, but it really comes out swinging at the end. Uh, it's mm-hmm. good. It's a good one. 
All right, our last one, Akakiri, which is Japanese for Red Haze. Uh, again, by Science Saru. So this is the same group that did the TOB one. Um, very different art style on this one. But it starts with a B-Wing that is crashing onto the planet who has a, that has a Jedi pilot, and he's attacked by... Well, we find out they're soldiers. They look like bandits, but they're soldiers. And he's saved by this other group who has a bow. And he passes out, and he wakes up, and he finds out the Princess Misa that has saved him. And he has come because he knew Princess Misa was in danger because her aunt has turned out to be a Sith Lord. Killed, killed the king, was a Sith Lord, and so he rushed back to save Misa. But also, he's been plagued by dark visions of Misa, or some, no, sorry, somebody. of somebody being killed repeatedly. And, and so, that's actually why he loses his first fight with the right. with the soldiers is because he's doing fine, and then he has his vision, and it's so debilitating it makes him like take a knee. Mm-hmm. He can't control when the visions hit, and it he's here because of them. He was here five years ago to help her, uh, her father and her on a Jedi mission, and clearly cares about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along with her is her two bumbling guides. Uh, <laughs> uh, very, very classic throwbacks to not only R2 and C3PO, but to Forbidden Fortress that Star Wars was based on the, the two bumbling guys in there. Um, and he's like, why do, why, why are they here? What do we need them for? And I'm like, no, we can't travel back to the Royal Palace without them. I'm banished and we killed on sight. So they basically trek across the country, smuggle, hide, bribe, whatever they got to do to keep getting... Uh, eventually they reach um, an unpassable area and so they go across this mountain pass that's supposed to be cursed and they lose one of the guides and so um, Tsubaki the Jedi goes back for him and uh, Misa the princess waits in the city for him he does eventually get come back with him um, and then Tsubaki and Misa go to the palace sneak get inside but the aunt whose name is Masugo the Sith Lord she she appears uh he tries to fight her, but she overpowers him. He starts getting the visions again, and she captures Misa. And then when he comes out of the vision, she's like, hey, the the Jedi are weak. You should join me. You should use the dark side. And he's getting angry. His eyes are turning red. He's clearly starting to give in to the dark side. And the soldiers start attacking him. He just starts slicing him down. And the last soldier, he just goes all out and hits him. And it's the soldier from his vision. But it's not just a soldier. It's Misa in a mask. They They snuck her in. Um, and he has killed her. And then uh, the the Sith Lord is like, hey, we we could save her together with the dark side and you could serve me. And he's like, OK, um, so they do and they bring her back to life. And then he joins Masago as her apprentice and they leave. And that's the end. Um, dark way to end the whole anthology. <laughs> what do you guys think of this one? Um, the animation style was a little jarring. Uh, especially coming off the last few. Um, So it was, that was a little off-putting, but yeah, this was a dark story. Um, I I was really digging it, and then it got to the end. I was like, oh, this is, this is Anakin all over again. My loved one's going to die, so I better use the power of the dark dark side to save them. And it was Um, me trying to stop the dying that caused the dying to happen. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. If he had never shown up. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, I I actually really liked this one uh, just because of the different theme and the uh, 
yeah, the, this this trail that this troubled um, Jedi had to had to endure. Yeah, um, at first, like in the first few minutes of of watching this one, I was so turned off by the animation style that I did not think I was going to like it. Um, but the personality just came through so well. And the way that those two bumbling uh, guides behaved and talked and acted, it just, it was so, um, it was so fun and silly. Like, Tanya and I were sitting there, and when they started like singing as they were eating their meals and stuff, we just we just started busting up laughing because it was so well done. Um, and so by the end of it, you know, the art style didn't matter at all. It was yeah. really really good. Um, I also love the fact that this one plays with fate too, because she, the Sith Lord, she says, you know, it was written that you will serve me, and all this while he keeps mentioning fate that you know we don't have to follow fate you're not predestined right so clearly there's something in the background some background fate that he's subjected to where you know he's doomed and he's trying to fight it and it isn't going to happen and it doesn't happen because you can't escape the force and that's that was really cool to see so and yeah it, it was very much a retelling of the anakin story with some slight modifications uh in regard to how he was tricked at the end. So I very, very much like this. This is probably my number one. Like, like you guys have clearly mentioned, this is the Anakin story. But what I love so much about that is so much of everything else has been original trilogy story. You know, twins and and farm people, you know, answering the call to adventure. Um, obviously, a lot of love for the original trilogy in, in this whole anthology. The fact that one of them took the time to do a little prequel <laughs> work... Um, well, also still paying homage to New Hope because of the Forbidden Fortress reference. Uh, I, I really like this one. I, I wonder why it's last because it is a kind of a sad note to go on. Um, you know, my seven year old said, well, I, 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 this shouldn't be done. They should have more ending where he's actually tricking them and he wins. <laughs> I'm like, no, you want, you want, which, you know, a seven year old would want. I get that. Um, yeah. And I, I do really like the dark ending. I just, it's weird to end the entire anthology on this. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back moment of like, bad guys win. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a way to make us want more. Be like, don't, don't you guys want to see that happy ending? The seven year old inside of you? <laughs> yeah. These all felt like pilot episodes. <laughs> yeah. And two or three of them I'd be fine with. Yeah. 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 All right, let's go on to our final review. What'd you guys, uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, like I said at the beginning, this was really tough to like, as a package, give it a number. Um, because a lot of these stories felt so disconnected. It was almost like watching nine individual movies. Um, objectively, like if I were to like line them up and go, you know, da, 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 I'd probably give it a three. But I think the the strong points and the strong episodes really won me over as a whole, which kind of gives me a bit more subjective hand wavy to some of the other stuff that I didn't like. I'm actually going to give this a four. This is definitely something you should watch if you're either an anime or a Star Wars fan or both. Um, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching it. 
Yeah, I got to agree. Um, there's a couple in here that I individually maybe give a two to, and there's certainly some threes, but there's some fives. So all in all, I got to give it a four. All right, I'm going to blow all your minds, and I'm only going to give it a four. <laughs> <laughs> that is surprising. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, look, I am a Star Wars shill, and I I wear that proudly on my shirt, literally, this moment. Um, but this is this is a side project. This is a, hey, everyone seems to really like anime, and Star Wars' brand isn't going up these days well i guess it is with mandalorian but you know let's get more people in what else what other avenues can we tap into it's a very disney corporate way of thinking but like i said anime star wars has been something i've wanted for a long time i remember reading about like it was being translated into manga and seeing like princess leia and manga form and being like oh that's amazing i want to read that so bad i want anime star wars as a kid and then here I am getting older and older old man and it's finally happened and I'm I'm not uh looking the gift horse in the nuts. I'm I'm happy for what I got and I would gladly take another season because I like anthologies. There's a lot of imperfections here. There's also none of this is important. <laughs> none of this needed <laughs> to exist. Uh and that's true. But I am appreciative that it does exist and I, I find it really fun. And I love how much my seven-year-old loves it. There's not a lot of anime we watch that he gets to watch. And a Star Wars one, good, clean content. Nothing wrong with him watching any of this stuff. And watching him get hype about Star Wars is cool for me. So, four for me. All right, our next anime, like I mentioned before, is Neon Genesis Evangelion Episodes 1 through 13. Um, this is Jeremy's retro pick, his, his rule-free, something we've never discussed before, but it's not really current. Uh, so we are we are taking on one of the big dogs. Woof, woof. One of the biggest dogs. Like, we did Cowboy Bebop, and this one's even more. Luckily, we're not going to get into all the, the meta, super bizarre stuff that happens at the end of Evangelion, but... Uh, I kind of nice. wish we were, but yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we got our we got our one one episode rule for this one. At some maybe we should do something where we all just watch the the final episode, not end of Evangelion, not the movie, but the final episode, and just how out of this like makes no sense it is with just, with no context, with like no from con- thirteen to the last episode twenty six or something. Have you have you ever seen it before? I I, it's been so long, and I don't think I ever finished it. I think I only got through the first half. Context was... barely helps with the final episode. Really? <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying maybe we should watch it just to see, be like, what uh, happened? What was that? I'm up that. That would make maybe we should do a mini episode. episode for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. We'll do it that way. All right. If you would like to, to share your feelings on Star Wars Visions, please feel free to reach out to us on our Twitter at Baka Podcast or come to our website and leave us a message, theanimebakaclub.com, or you can leave a comment wherever you found this podcast and then we'll get back to us. Uh, th- thank you all, and I hope you all had a great holidays, a Merry Christmas, and, and Happy New Year's. And we uh, are we'll be back to regular episodes after after Neon Genesis Evangelion and whatever Jason picks for his retro. Then we'll be getting back to more modern anime. But for now, this is our 
this is our celebration, one of our traditions that we do for this podcast, and we love doing it. So we hope you enjoyed. I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Juro! <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs>